Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. Well, hey, everybody. We are so glad that you're able to gather with us um, in person, online. Um, I want to start out with a question because I just got to ask you this. It's questions going to be important for today, but actually it's going to be a question that's going to be important like for the whole series that we're going into. It's a very serious question. The question is this. How many here want to be happy? How many want to be happy in life? Would you just raise your hand if you want to be happy in life? Can, come on now. Like, I mean, who doesn't, right? I mean, like, maybe if you're a sociopath, right? I mean, like, that, that could be a reason for not being. But if we just go, like, the one thing, I, just, I would just like to be happy in life. Like, to have this happiness that's going on that way. And that would be, like, normal. In fact, it's one of the things that we all have in common. In fact, you may have a friend that is looking to be happy in life as well. And if that's the case, I just encourage you, share with them some of the things that you're, that you're learning. In fact, you can invite them to come out and to join with you in this. Now, the greater question would be, but does God want us to be happy? And Jesus emphatically answers this question with yes. And hear this good news that Jesus says, yes, God wants you to be happy. I mean, sometimes you may hear somebody say something like, you know, God's more interested in your holiness than he's in in your happiness. I just want you to know that is like a false dichotomy. It's like a straw man that's just being, you know, you know set up to be knocked down. Now, how we think God wants us to be happy And how God wants us to be happy, sometimes here's where we could actually come to a little bit of gap, right? Because when we get hold of this truth, well, God wants me to be happy. Well, then if such and such makes me happy, then like, it must be God wants me to do it. Like, getting high makes me happy. Uh, You know, watching porn makes me happy. I mean, spending money makes me happy, so, right? And in fact, this is a trap that as parents who love their kids, we could fall into. Because a parent, I mean, one thing you really want is you want your kids to be happy, don't you? For sure. And so sometimes we're willing to turn a blind eye or a deaf ear to what they're pursuing, what they're chasing after, because we just want them to be happy but we aren't willing to share truth and warn them that what they're pursuing is not gonna deliver what they think is gonna deliver in their lives. In fact, this spirit of the age, you could say, you know, it's, it's messaged by Satan, but the spirit of the age says, hey, you just do you. I mean, you do what it takes to make you happy. Versus Jesus saying, There is a way to happiness, and I would like to tell you about it. I think you find it, it's counterintuitive, meaning you just don't figure it out on your own, because if you did, you would, and you would already have this happiness, this lasting happiness in your life. So before we look at Jesus' words, let's just ask God to help us to experience that which he once forced in our lives. Would you join me in this prayer? Heavenly Father, we are grateful that Jesus affirms that you really do care about happiness in our life and you work toward that end. 
Help us to open ourselves up to what you want for us, for our friends, for our neighbors, for our families, for our coworkers. That's our prayer. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody in agreement said? Amen. Amen to that, right? What does Jesus have to say about this? Well, if you have a Bible with you, I'm going to ask you to take it and turn to the book of Matthew. We're going to start in Matthew chapter 5. If you've got a Bible on your phone, open that up. If you've got a way to take a couple of notes, I'd encourage you to do that. Though there's notes on the app and you can look at those a little bit later if you want to do so as well. In Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7, we have what's called the Sermon on the Mount, which is actually Jesus' first recorded sermon. Now, I remember my first sermon. And I want to tell you, it was terrible. <laughs> it, was like, it was like really bad, terrible, and I am so glad that you weren't there for it. Jesus' first recorded sermon, it was amazing. In fact, people marveled after they got done hearing it there. Now, the reason this was called the Sermon on the Mountain because it was by the Sea of Galilee and it was an elevated place to be able to accommodate the multitudes, thousands, thousands of people that were coming and gathering and listening to Jesus. This first message of his kind of just lays out, what does it mean to be a follower of mine? What are the things that I want for you in your life? And this sermon was deep and this sermon was just so practical. And he starts out, in the first 10 verses with something that are called the Beatitudes. I mean, heard the word Beatitudes before. I mean, heard the term, right? Like, what are the Beatitudes? I mean, is it attitudes that should be in our life? Now, I like that play on words, but that's not what the word means. The word Beatitude, it's actually a Latin term. And it's a Latin term that meant blessednesses. That is a tongue twister for sure. Say it a few times. Blessednesses. Blessedness in plural. Blessednesses. And why would they say that? Well, let's check it out. Your Bible's open there. Matthew 5, verse 3 starts out, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Question, what is the first word in all of the Beatitudes? And this is not a trick question. The first word is what? Blessed. Yes, you're thinking like, Jesus is talking about how to be blessed here. But that's not what his hearers, the original audience, was hearing. His original audience, rather than hearing blessed are, they were hearing happy. Happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are they that mourn. Happy are the persecuted, which made it all the more shocking and perplexing to like, what is Jesus saying? Now the reason I say that, again, so that we can come alongside and really listen to what Jesus is saying here, the normal word for blessed or blessed would have been the word eulogia. It's used all throughout, you know, all throughout Greek language, all throughout you know, the New Testament that way. But that's not the word Jesus used. Jesus used a unique word and it was called makarios. Would you say it once with me? Makarios. And I want you to get Makarios because it's going to be a reoccurring word that keeps coming up. In fact, each of the Beatitudes start with the word Makarios. And Makarios meant happy. But it's a loaded word. 
And here's where it, it, it got really tricky for translators to be able to bring this out because everybody in Jesus' day knew what it meant, but just a straight translation, it kind of leaves you lacking. I mean, you might think he, you know, it's a happiness buzz or something like that. Everybody in Jesus' day knew that makarios meant it's the happiness that only the gods experience. It's a happiness that would come directly from the gods to you. It would be a full soul satisfaction or a completeness of joy. So again, it's not just a little happy feeling that's going on. It is like way bigger, deeper, and richer than that. Which is why, if you've got a Bible right now, or if you're taking notes, I want you to write down this term, deep happiness. Because what Jesus wants to be able to share, and he starts his whole first sermon out just talking about how can you be happy? How can you have a deep, lasting happiness in your life? So let's read this first, these opening words to Jesus' incredible message in the traditional way, and then we'll read it as his hearers would have heard it together. So traditionally, we'd read this. Ready, everybody? Blessed are the poor in spirit. Jesus' hearers heard this. Ready? Happy are the poor in spirit. And they may have been going, I don't get it. Like you're thinking like, I don't get that. Like I don't see happy and poor going together. In fact, I don't want to be poor in my life. I don't want to be poor in any area of my life, let alone being poor in spirit. Like, what is he saying? And so that we could be clear, what was Jesus saying? Jesus is saying this, that deep happiness will flow from your realization that you need God. In fact, actually it's a little bit stronger than that. It would be deep happiness flows from the realization that I really, 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 really need God. So we drill a little bit deeper into it. There were two words that Jesus could have used for poor. The first poor is pane. And that word poor meant you're so poor you had to work in order to survive. Now think about it. In other words, you're not wealthy enough to make it without working in order to be able to get what you need to be able to survive. So I think a lot of us would understand that level of boredom, right? Like, yeah, I gotta work to be able to survive. I'm not ready to retire yet. But that's not the word he used. Jesus used the word patokas. And patokas meant poor. So poor that you had to beg in order to survive. You couldn't do it on your own. You couldn't work your way out of the poorness that you have. And if it wasn't for people's grace, if it wasn't for people's charity, then you would perish. We're talking about, you know, third world poverty to the lowest degree of poverty in it. A few of us have been able to actually see it and to be able to experience that. So Jesus wasn't saying, you got to realize that sometimes in your life you're going to need God. He was saying this, until you realize just how much you really, 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 really need God, this deep happiness is going to elude you because it's the foundation for others and all that follows. In fact, he begs this question. 
He uses these literary devices. Jesus starts out, it's like with, with a paradox. A paradox is a seeming contradiction of terms. Happy are the desperately poor, right? He uses this counterintuitiveness. In order to find happiness, you're going to have to realize just how utterly dependent you are on somebody else. And I think it's just sticky, right? Because Jesus, if he would have stood up and said, hey, everybody, I just, want, I just want to say, deep happiness flows from the realization that you need God in your life. I think all the hearers in Jesus' day would have just gone, good word, rabbi. I mean, yep, yep. And it would have been in one ear and out the other because in a sense, it was kind of like same old, same old, right? But he said something that nobody ever forgot. He said, bless Macarius are the patokos, the utterly desperate in their spirit for God. And it's something that we don't forget either. I mean, we all need God. You'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you will go out and do our lives. Poor in spirit, you are going to be thinking, I mean, it's like it just wedged into your mind and it's there to be able to do its good work. Now, knowing what Jesus said, that's super important. But what do we do with this right now? I think there's two questions that help us to start to like, what do I do with this right now? We want to ask ourselves today, so just how much do I need God? And secondly, what do I need God for? Start the first question, how much do you need God today by answering this? On a scale of zero to 100. Zero meaning don't need God. 100 I desperately need God. What number would you give yourself? And I just want to remind you, you're in church. <laughs> Which means that there is a right answer and there is a real answer. And the right answer in church for how much do you need God is what? Oh, uh -huh. uh, yeah, like, oh. But the real number, you need to evaluate by looking back in your past week or the last couple weeks and how much do you... How much do you, did you realize that you needed God in your day, at home, at work that way? What is that number in your life? Well, what do we need God for, right? I started thinking about that. So I grabbed a three by five card and I said, I'm just gonna make a list. What do I need God for? You can make a list. You can, choose, you can take from my list or add to your own. But I said, I really need God for forgiveness. I need him for peace. I need God for hope. I need God for love. I need him for wisdom. I need him for life. I need God for grace. I need God for transformation. I need God for deliverance. I need God to help to save me from myself and my own selfishness. I need God to understand his world. I need God to understand life and purpose, to be able to enjoy creation. I need God to be able to experience deep happiness. And when I got done, I had a list. And I thought, it's not helping me as much as I thought it would. So I changed it up. I'll tell you what changed it up for me, so I offer it to you. I asked the question in this way. What do I need God for? Well, I need God for that which I'm not in control of in my life. I need God for his help and grace for the things that I'm not in control of in my life. I remember the first time I heard uh, someone say that 
we're only in control of about 10% of the things that we think that we're in control of. Now, as a control person, how do you think I responded to that? Same way as some of you control people are responding to it. Like, that ain't true for me. I'm like, I am in control. I am, you know, like, I'm a take charge person. I got the steering wheel right here. But the more that I thought about that, I'm only in control of about 10% of the things I think I'm in control of in my life. I realized 10% is high. Because <laughs> of all the things that I think that I'm in control of in my life, it's like, I'm really not in the most important things too. Now here's where age helps you out a little bit. Because the older you get, the more you realize that you're really not in control of the things that are most important in your life. And all the old people said what? Yeah, nobody wanted to even say anything there, did you? If you're younger, right now you are blessed with naivete. And it's true. I mean, because you think like, I'm in control. I'm, you know, like you're getting ready. Some of you are getting ready to graduate, graduate high school, you know, graduate college. I mean, how many think you're going to hear at your commencement, you know, speech, something other than this? I mean, you're going to go to commencement and they're going like, you've got your future in front of you. You're in control of your destiny. Take hold and chase your dreams. Nobody's going to end up saying, good luck, for, good luck with that because you are not in control of nearly what you think you're in control of. <laughs> Everything you think is important. Like, you have no control over that at all. Right? Like, <laughs> not going to do that. <laughs> Let's go back to the number. If you were to give yourself that real number today, how much do I really, 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 really need God in my life? This number is going to be something that's a proportional number. It's actually proportional to how close you are to God. James 4, 8 tells us this. Draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Today you are as close to God as you want to be. That's the good news and that is the convicting news all at the same time. Because we want to say like, no, I should be way closer to God than where I'm at right now. You are as close to God today as you want to be, and he's enabled you to be that close to him at all. And your number, whatever your number is, I've had people, I mean, they were just so honest in sharing their numbers so far. 70, 30, I mean, like, like whoa. But you should put an arrow. Because if your arrow, whatever your number is, if your arrow's pointing toward the 100, it means you're moving in that direction. That's a good thing. But you may be at a 94, but if your arrow is pointing in the other direction, understand, you're moving away from that realization, that dependency upon God, and it's going to affect us. In fact, Jesus, Jesus spoke so directly, I'm gonna say a little bit shockingly to this. Jesus, after his resurrection, he spoke words to the churches that were in existence, first, churches, um, first century churches. And one of the things he said to a church and to people that he loved, these are believers, Christians, so believers. He says this, now you say that I've acquired great wealth and I don't need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. It's Jesus talking to people. He wasn't talking about outward because you pretty much know if you're naked or not. Right? I mean, like, he wasn't talking about that. He was talking about what was on the inside. And when Jesus calls you pitiful, like, step back and shut up. And, like, this is, this is a call 
to repentance. What was he saying? He's saying, look, everybody out there is just saying this. I'm good. If I need God, I know where he is. I know how to get hold of him. I'll just pray and I'll ask him if I need him. But I really don't need him that much because I'm doing okay. In fact, I'm doing pretty good in my life. And Jesus said, that understanding of that you don't need God is a disconnect from reality and where it is that you're really at and what it is that you so need in your life. One of the insights I picked up as I was just, you know, again, this is tip of the iceberg kind of stuff from what Jesus is saying, but I realized this. The more that I realize that I need God, not only is the closer I get to God, but the more that I realize I need God, the more I realize that other people needed God as well. I mean, people around me without God, I mean, how will they experience eternity? It's not gonna be good, right? But in life, how are they gonna experience help and grace? How are they gonna have forgiveness and hope in their life? How is a person going to have this deep happiness that Jesus said is connected with our understanding of how we need God if they don't even have God in their life? We heard a little bit about, you know, like Eggapalooza a couple of weeks ago. One of the things that I was just like so encouraged about with this Eggapalooza was the fact that as a church, we're willing to go like, hey, let's set aside some of the things that like we're comfortable with, you know, for those on the inside, to be able to do some things on the out, to, for those that are on the outside, to invite those that really have no interest in being in church to come and to join us in church. Because if they had any interest in being here, they'd already be here. But they said, like, I've got no interest in that whatsoever. And so it's kind of like, I'm willing to change things up in order to help somebody that doesn't realize the need in their life to be able to get that understanding that's there. I heard Kathy, as she uh, shared her story, and I got a little piece of it here for you. She said, um, you know, for weeks, I felt God not nudging me to get my family to church. Negapalooza was quickly approaching, and so historically, I just bring my great nieces to all the events. But the week before the event, I really feel pulled to invite the parents to bring their kids instead of just auntie bringing them. She said, my daughter-in-law was really hesitant to come at all. My son was away in Army Reserves that weekend. With a little encouragement, I was able to get her and my grandson in church Saturday night, and he Loved it. Now, Sunday, my sister, her two daughters, a son-in-law, her stepson, and all their kids, five of them. Now, if you're keeping track, that's 10. 10 people, they showed up. And it was just amazing to see the girls dance along with the kids in the worship team. Events like Eggapalooza reach people that normally would never come to church. And Kathy said, I actually ended up coming both Saturday and Sunday to be with others that were coming in as well. I was like, super cool, isn't it? I got a friend who put it this way, and it resonates with me, that we should be willing to do anything short of sin in order to help those that are far from God to be able to find him. Would you agree? Because... I realize the more that I need God, what he can do and what he brings and how others need him as well. Now, Jesus wasn't finished as he kind of completes what he was saying with this last phrase. For theirs, for yours, is the kingdom of heaven. 
The kingdom of heaven gets mentioned throughout the Sermon on the Mount a lot, but Jesus just opens it up here. What does he mean? What is the kingdom of heaven? Or sometimes it's called the kingdom of God. Now you might be thinking like, well, the kingdom of heaven, like that's where God lives. And that's where, that's where people who die, I mean, that's where you go and you be with God, right? Kingdom of heaven. Kind of. I mean, there's a little bit of that in there. That's not primarily, that's the to come stuff. But primarily what Jesus is talking about is this. When, whenever Jesus uses the term kingdom of heaven or kingdom of God, he's talking about the place where what God wants done is being done. That's the kingdom of heaven. It's not geographical. It's this reign, it's this influence of God. I want to say that with me because it's a little bit of a, you know, again, just like, wait, I gotta wrap my head around that. Ready? The kingdom of heaven is the place where what God wants done is being done. That's the kingdom of heaven. And in fact, Jesus said, I want you to pray about the kingdom of heaven every day. And you're like, what? But there's a prayer that you know. It goes something like this. It's found actually in the next chapter, Matthew 6. But it goes something like this. See if this rings a bell. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What comes next? Thy kingdom come. Thy as on earth as it is in heaven heaven right it's every day we pray god may what you want being done be done may your will be done in our lives now again that's kind of concept so maybe picture would help us a little bit more this is the world in which we live i know you recognize that you're seated somewhere right about there in the world (laughs) In this world today, God is sovereign, right? God is in control of that which is going on in the world. But in the world today is what God wants being done, being done in every place in the world. Yes or no? Like for sure not, right? I mean, you can, you can just start ticking off, you know, things. Brothels, like no. Um, Ukraine, no. I mean, all around the world that way. However... There are places in the world where what God wants done is being done. It's not like there's just a spot that's the kingdom of God in heaven. Don't think of it that way. Think of it like all over the world, the kingdom of God is being manifest. The kingdom of God, the place where what God wants done is being done, this may be like your home. Could be your workplace. Could be the Hope Center. Could be the rescue mission. Could be, and all of a sudden you realize, well, this is how the kingdom of God is manifest all throughout the world. And this is what we're praying for. And the more that we realize, get the connection, the more we realize how much we really, 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 really need God and open our lives up to him, it opens up then the kingdom of God as well throughout the whole world. This is what you'd call the now. There's also a to come for the kingdom of God. And there will be a day in which in the new heaven and new earth, all throughout, everywhere, what God wants done is being done. But that's not today. Now, if we're not yet in this kingdom of heaven, 
In other words, what God wants done is not being done. If you haven't received Jesus yet, Jesus' invitation to us is this. I want what God wants being done to be done in your life. And it begins with what Jesus said is being born again. It's really interesting. He's talking to somebody. Again, really didn't think he needed God that much. He was pro-God, but didn't think he needed him that much. But in John 3, um, Jesus said these words. He said, very truly, that I tell you, Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again, which means you've come to realize that you really do need Jesus because you don't come to Jesus and ask him for the forgiveness that he accomplished on the cross if you don't think you need it. We just don't do that. We, we don't respond to the resurrection of Jesus. We don't think, but I don't really, it doesn't make a difference in my life. I don't need that. When you realize how much you need it and you respond to him, that's when things begin to change. Now, for everyone that has trusted Jesus, I want us to step into, step onto the foundation that Jesus is gonna give us for deep happiness and how you can experience today and throughout your lifetime. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. One thing I'm gonna say, I am saying, take your phone, please. And if you grab it and you would scan the QR code, I'm gonna tell you why we're gonna do that right now. Scan the QR code so that you can download this image. And the image here, I've got this my screensaver, I'm not sure you can see that. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So every time we grab our phones, we're gonna be reminded of this. God, I really, 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 really do need you in my life. And we're gonna start by learning and memorizing this verse together. Though, I think you probably got it already, right? Want to say it with me, whether you're reading it or not? Blessed are the for theirs is the kingdom of. Yeah, you've got it. You've got it already, right? But this is going to be that reminder. It's going to, every time we're going to pull this up. And what I want you to do is I want to just take a couple minutes each day, and I just want you to think: How do I need God today? How do I need God at work? How do I need God at home? How do I need God in my life? What is it that I'm not in control of that I need God for? And what you at first may just go like, I really don't know. And this thing is gonna open up for you. Then I'm gonna ask you, it's a bigger ask, I'm gonna ask you to join in a discussion that deals with deep happiness. And we got lots of discussion groups. So if you're in a small group, great. You're, you know, you can pull that in already. If you're not, you never have been, you're really, you know, like, I don't know if I wanna do that. Just try one out for this deep happiness series, for what you can experience this way. Because I can guarantee you that you are going to be better off if you're actually talking with somebody about this. I've got questions that are on the bottom of our note sheet. You can bring it home. You can ask family, which is a good thing to do. You can ask friends. But to join a group, and you can do that, again, just use your app um, to sign up for that. Use the QR code for that. I guarantee you that this thing is going to, you're going to realize just how big what Jesus is saying is. We're hitting the, like the tip of the iceberg, but there's so much more that you are going to be able to get out of that. So before we pray, open it up for anyone who wants to come to Jesus to do so, but for all of us that are followers of his, let's say together the first words of Jesus' path, his map to deep happiness 
in our lives. Ready? We'll put it up here if we need to read it together. Who needs to put it up there? We know it already, right? Just look on, you know, download the app on your phone with me. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, you're the one that laid this out in front of us. You assured us that God wants us to experience makarios, deep happiness in our lives, and we believe you. And then you tell us, here's how to do it. And as we step upon the foundation in our lives, beginning with, where are we at with you? How much do we really understand that we need you and for what? I pray that our eyes will be opened. And God, all of us are gonna experience a deeper and closer relationship with you. For those Jesus now, whether listening at home, online, the realization that Jesus, I've never received you, I've never come to you because I really didn't think I needed you that much. <laughs> but I understand, without your death, without your shed blood, without your resurrection, I will never know God. I will never be a part of the kingdom of heaven. And I'm ready today to trust you. And I ask you as best I know how to be my Lord and Savior. And friend, if that's your prayer, I'm just gonna ask you, would you just lift a hand boldly today going like, I, I've never received Jesus before, but as best I know, I'm trusting him as my Lord and Savior today. Okay, others just up and then down. God bless you, thanks. For your working, Jesus, that's just beginning you're working that many of us have experienced and realized this is this is going to change everything thank you we love you and we pray this in your name and everybody in agreement said if you were encouraged by today's talk be sure to subscribe and share with your friends visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person thanks again for listening to the fox river podcast Oh,